This week, we're talking about a vampire cult in Kentucky in the 1990s and an official review of Lexington's premier music festival, Railbird. Don't go anywhere. Hi, we're the Lexington Podcast. We are all things Lexington, Kentucky. History, true crime, current events, and local recommendations. Glad you're here, y'all. So, and I don't mean to laugh because this there was some deaths connected to this particular case, but the circumstances around it are just so wild. There was a vampire cult of Kentucky. That sounds so made up. It's not made up. Oh my it God. actually happened. And this would have been in the 1990s. So first of all, Kentucky is no stranger to cults and cult relations. Did you know that Charles Manson was actually raised the first few years of his life in Kentucky? Explains a lot. Yeah. Well, he was born in Cincinnati. His parents like went over the border for some reason. They were, they're kind of transient anyway. Huh. But then they came back to their native Ashland, Kentucky, and he was raised there until he went into some foster care stuff or whatever. So... Kentucky has cult connections for sure all over the place. And I want to talk to you about Murray, Kentucky, which is in Callaway County. That is going to be the super, super southwestern side of the state. Uh, just a stone's throw from Tennessee border, actually. And it all starts with this one teenager whose name is Rod Farrell. This is the vampire cult we're talking about. This is about. the vampire cult. Okay. okay. Rod Farrell. Okay. He's a very charismatic teen. He's super into fantasy stuff, the dark arts. Hmm. Um, sounding a little familiar. I <laughs> <laughs> say so you about to say something mean. And he did. <laughs> Sounds like a cool guy, it sounds like. Yeah, I bet he does, yeah. Really loves Zelda. Oh, God. (laughs) My feelings are getting hurt by the minute. He actually wasn't into Zelda. It was worse. When did he become a vampire? So he, but here's the thing. He also killed neighborhood cats with weapons that he would like create himself. So A little psychopath. Definite some sociopathic or psychopathic tendencies. He was also, became convinced because him and his friends, this, this group of four other kids, played a game called Vampire the Masquerade. <laughs> and keep in mind, this is in the early 1990s. This was not a video game. This is a, it's called a tabletop role-playing game. Yes, yes, yes. It's called what? Never you heard, knew that? You've heard of Dungeons and Dragons, you silly girl. Oh, and I'm the nerd. I'm the crazy one. Have you heard of Dungeons and Dragons? I've heard of it. Tabletop but, role-playing game. But yes. that's not like a phrase that rolls off my tongue. To your credit, Vampire the Masquerade is one that I have not heard of. But Don't act like tabletop role-playing this game. This is common knowledge in the 21st century, you silly behind-the-times girl. For full-blown nerds. Tabletop game is a common word goofball. Okay. Just so you know, it was the first of several, quote, storyteller system games for its World of Darkness setting line. And essentially, the game fictionalized a gothic punk version of the modern world where players assume the role of vampires who were who were referred to as kindred and deal with their night-to-night struggles against their own bestial natures, vampire hunters, and each other. That kind of sounds fun if, if you let yourself yeah, get into it. Yeah, I was it. kind of worried that you would, like, I guess I'll have to eBay it for you because... I'll let your inner nerd freak flag fly. Come on now. So, 
with just these, don't kill cats and stuff. With these tabletop games, you assume a role. Yeah, you played them, right? You're a role. You, you, you assume a role. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. You are this character, and that character interacts with these other characters who are assumed roles by your friends at this tabletop game. It's a lot of fun if you let yourself get into it, truly. Okay, fine. Let's do it. It doesn't have to be like this nerdy, the paragon of nerdiness, blah, blah, blah. blah. It's a good time if you just let yourself get into okay, it. Okay, I'm in. I mean, not that one per I, se. I, I, I must say, I'm not super into vampires. But Dungeons and Dragons is a good yeah, one for that. Maybe you can be a vampire in that, probably. Okay. All right. Fine. 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 Hey, listen to me. The right group of people, tabletop games can be a great. So I've evening. actually played one where, and I, I hosted it. I should do this again. It was so fun. Where it was like a murder mystery one. Yeah. So sure. everybody Same gets. Thing, is it? Of. Oh, okay. I mean, like, All right, I'm in. I mean, the, the the true ones are way in depth and they last for months and stuff. But it's the same kind of thing. Like yeah. you, you assume a role and act. You know, don't screw us over. Act like your role. Act like your role. Yeah, yeah. No, I like it. The problem with that is you have to have a really fun group of people. Right. Uh-huh. You can't have some like really introverted who are equally fun and into it, but not like those aren't the rules. Yeah. Or like, or like they won't break character. Right. Exactly. (laughs) That's what I'd be worried about. Just serious enough about it. You know, and it's a great time. Like that Michael Scott, um, the office episode where he was Caleb Crowdad. (laughs) Remember (laughs) murder on the bayou. Juju mama. (laughs) (laughs) I'm scared of this one. It was such a funny episode. So essentially what happens to this? Yeah. Yeah. Rod Farrell and his group of friends get like really into the role playing, like cannot separate Reality. reality from fiction. They become his followers. They look up to him. He's for sure the leader. And they really go down this rabbit hole with the vampire lifestyle in general. They start dressing as vampires. They would meet at a local cemetery to literally drink each other's blood as part of an initiation ceremony. They were all 15 and 16 years old. And so because Murray, Kentucky, to them is too conservative, they all want to move to New Orleans because you guessed it. It's a vampire type capital. capital it has, world, yeah. yeah, it has like vampire. Strong, Anne Rice told us that. So. Yeah, Anne Rice told us that. Um, interview with the vampire. Strong vampire connections. For real. Yeah. So I want to read to you. I, I got a lot of information actually out of one of my favorite books of all time. And if you're a Kentuckian who doesn't have this book, you are absolutely missing out. It's called Weird Kentucky. And it kind of like each page sort of chronicles a different weird thing, whether that's like a monument or a site or an event that's happened in Kentucky. So I'm just going to read a blurb out of this one about the vampire cult, if that's OK, because it kind of like wrap, like sums it up pretty nicely. Hit it. It was headed by a teenager named Rod Farrell. Rod and his goth pals were obsessed with a vampire-themed role-playing game and ultimately completely lost touch with reality. Rod, or Visago, as he liked to be called, and his cohorts quickly escalated their game to drinking each other's blood, or, if that wasn't available, the blood of some poor pet. Charming kids. The kids' strange obsessions would eventually progress to humans. They loaded up in the car for a vampire road trip for the purpose of murdering Ruth Queen and Richard Windorf of Eustace, Florida. Or Estes, maybe? It looks like Eustace. They were the parents of Heather Windorf, who was an old friend of Rod Farrell's and a part of this, like, vampire cult, for sure. The kid's strange obsession would eventually progress to humans. They loaded up the car for a vampire road trip for the purpose of murdering Ruth and Richard Windorf of Florida. They were the parents of Heather, 
an old friend of Pharaoh's, and Pharaoh had it in his mind that it was his unholy mission to rescue Heather from her parents. Upon arriving to the Windorf home, Farrell and fellow cult mate Howard Scott Anderson, a native of Mayfield, Kentucky, broke in and found Richard asleep on the couch. Farrell bludgeoned him to death with a crowbar that he found in the garage, which I'll talk about here in just a second, and then did the same to Ruth when she entered the room moments later. Ruth put up a good fight and managed to throw scalding coffee on Rod Farrell, but his youth and insanity gave him the edge. The kids, along with Heather, and remember Heather's the daughter of these two that were just killed, then all piled into the car and hit the road. But it didn't take long for the cops to catch up with them. Heather does go with. Oh, sorry. Yes. Sorry. You know, it's okay. Yes. Heather goes That's with them. That's incredibly interesting part of the whole thing. Definitely. I'll tell you her side of it here in just what a second. Say? She must be mortified. How could she not be? Rod Farrell was sentenced to death and was at one point the youngest person ever to be on death row. An unfortunate first for Kentuckians. But in 2000, his sentence was overturned to life without parole. He is utterly unapologetic for his deeds and will bore anyone who cares to listen with his claims of being either a 60,000-year-old demon, a 500-year-old vampire, or Satan himself, depending on which way the gears in his troubled mind grind. Today, very few people in Murray are willing to talk about the cult. No one wants to dredge up unpleasant memories of such a monumentally stupid and horrible crime crew. The kids' favorite hangout, which was an old concrete building in the Land Between the Lakes area, nicknamed the Vampire Hotel, has been torn down and fenced off in hopes of eradicating all traces of the memory of the cult. People still make the pilgrimage to this site, leaving tacky gifts and quasi-occult graffiti. Exactly what they intend to commemorate with all this is anyone's guess. So let me... That, of course, piqued my interest. There's so many questions involved. And so what you many said. questions. Let me just go through more details on the murder. And then you just stop me and ask any question Sounds that you have. good. Thank okay. you. So they leave. So it is Rod Farrell and four other people. Another dude named Scott. Okay. And then. Give me the, what are their vampire names, though? <laughs> it doesn't say. Dang it. <laughs> doesn't say. What was his name? What was his name? Who, Rod? Uh-huh. Visago. <laughs> so dumb. I know. I wonder if it's in the game. Oh, maybe it is. Yeah. Maybe some sort of canon thing. Maybe. You know? Right on. So one dude and three three, ch- three girls? No, two dudes and three chicks. Okay. So one of them Rob is- Rob and some turd and three girls. Yes. One of, well, all are turds. Turd, turd, and turd, turd, turd. <laughs> so male turd and three female turds. Girls are so into vampire crap. Girls, it's crazy. girls are just really weird cult followers for these men who are cult leaders. And I'm sick of reading about it. I want to be like, ladies, ladies. They were so young. And this was before social media. Yeah, oh, yeah. They got real weird without help. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Super young. How they, how they learn about the Georgia girl? Some online, like the no, no, the, Florida. Oh, Florida. Yeah. So Heather, is this the infancy of AOL. Like, how he- do they know? Heather was just an old friend somehow of Rod's. That had, had moved. Right. And so she joins up with them while they're on this like wild road trip. So they needed a car in Murray, Kentucky. They take Rod's car and they go, they're trying just to go to New Orleans. Like that's sort of like their Mecca, so to speak. That's their goal. That's their goal. But the car breaks down on the way from New Orleans to Florida. So they do make it to New Orleans. The car breaks down from New Orleans to Florida. So they make it to New Orleans. And then make why do they New go Orleans. to Florida? Why, why leave their vampire paradise? They, it was kind of twofold. So Heather's parents are too controlling. They want to go and like 
basically tell Heather's parents, you can't control her. She's with us now kind of thing. And secondly, they were out of money and they were going to go there to steal Heather's car. Excuse me. Heather's parents car. Right. right? And Heather's parents stuff. Because apparently she was like fairly wealthy. There'd be jewelry and furs and things like this in this house. So they had a couple of goals. They all, all five of them travel from New Orleans to Florida. And like I said, on the way there, their car breaks down. So I think they hitch a ride basically to Florida. And the goal was to get there and steal Heather's parents' car. So Heather goes in first, does the whole yada yada with her parents, leaves and it intentionally leaves the house unlocked, knowing that oh, Rod no, Farrell... I know, Heather. Heather. I know. So looked him right in the eyes. Rod Farrell, aka Visago, (laughs) and the other dude whose name is Scott. Just those two. Visago and Scott, right? Visago and Scott. Scott and Visago. They go into the house. But here's the thing. Rod admits that he was taking drugs like acid before going in, and he shows up with just wooden sticks, which is weird for a vampire. But he grabs a crowbar he finds in the garage. The dad was asleep on the couch. He bludgeons him to death. The mom walks in with a cup of coffee and Rod said he didn't plan to kill her. But after seeing her husband dead, she throws hot coffee on him. And it's like a way to like protect herself, you know, or or to fight back a bit, which makes him super mad. So then he ends up killing her, too. He didn't like the hot coffee being spilled on him. They take the car keys, a hunting knife and a pearl necklace. Well, Scott's just standing there picking his nose kind of thing. Basically. So and Rod Farrell has always maintained that he was the one who did all of the killing. Scott is Rob's little buddy kind of thing. Exactly. Like like a minion, a minion or like a lieutenant. But he didn't really cause anything. Except he was there and provided moral support and certainly went along for the ride. They take the stolen blue Ford Explorer and begin the road trip back to New Orleans altogether. Rod throws the crowbar and other evidence into the Mississippi River on their way out. Heather's sister is actually the one who finds her parents, calls 911. This is this is where it gets kind of weird on the way if it hadn't been already. On the way to New Orleans, police pull over the Ford Explorer five times in three different states. They pull over the Ford Explorer with all five of them in it five different times. That can't be true. Yet they managed to evade arrest each time because they were always kind and cordial to the police. And this is a direct quote from Rod Farrell. Quote, I spoke to them with every courtesy. So that's why they always let us go. Like he did not seem crazy or like on the run charity one of the girls and actually rod's girlfriend so heather's not even his girlfriend but he's doing all this for heather in his own brain but charity this other girlfriend calls her parents from louisiana to ask for money and that's essentially how they're caught because of course the police like were already tapping phones of all of the cult members when they're brought in for questioning rod and charity are left in an interrogation room together and start making out which was the prosecution later on ended up using that as proof that they weren't in any way remorseful for their crimes. They didn't really feel bad about it. Rod claims that Heather asked him to kill her parents for her. She wanted her parents dead. That's what Rod has always maintained. Heather claims that she just assumed he was only going in there to like steal stuff. She had no idea that he was going in there to actually kill her parents. Heather was never charged. 
for anything. The girls each got, the other two girls that were like involved in all of this, each got about 10 to 15 years each. Scott, the guy that was involved, right, got, it will get out in 2032, which is a 40 year sentence. And he will be 51 years old then. What was his, what was his actual sentence though? Um, I guess like accomplice. I'm not entirely sure. Or, but I'm like, oh, oh, if he's getting out in 40 years, yeah, his sentence I, must have been big old. Sentence. He made some sort of parole thing, something. So if his sentence was 40 years, he'd be out in 22 years. Or something, um, yeah. Actually, and don't quote me on this. It's something about how the laws had changed because they were all uh, under the age of 18. See, that's huge. That know? is huge. Yeah. You're, some psychologist can come on the stand and be like, they're developmentally didn't know. Right. Blah, 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 blah. Right. Rod pleaded guilty, which shocked the country who had been following this case and trial very closely. Like apparently back in the 90s when this had happened, it was huge news. Originally, he was the youngest person to get the death penalty and then was retried and got life without parole. Mm. The sister of Heather, like the sister who found her parents, says he's very arrogant. He has never apologized to the family to this day. And it's kind of interesting that he gets a life sentence for being a vampire, considering that vampires are immortal. So hopefully he will stay there forever. Nice. Good job, <laughs> sister. Good job. I think it was like 2 a.m. I was finishing this up and I was like, how ironic. You know, like the subtext of what you just said was stupid kids obsessed with vampires go to New, to New Orleans, run out of money go to one of their friend's house, kills their parents, go back to New Orleans, run out of money again, call their parents, get caught from calling their parents. Correct. That's like the entire sum of the story. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, man, what a terrible way to die for those two people. What a terrible way to spend your life in prison if you were Scott and the other chicks. You know, like... It's just so frivolous. If only that guy could have, like, fell in a hole at age 14 before right. he got to 15. So many lives would be good, right? It's what sad. a turd. Yeah. Oh, yeah. We ought to have an episode or someone needs to do a st- hardcore study of why people follow st- cults. Seem- seemingly stupid people. It's like, it's a shame. It is. I think cults are fascinating in the sense that everyone just assumes like, well, obviously, you know, you're in a cult. Like, why would you be such a follower? And it's like, nobody thinks they're in a cult. Well, like, nobody is like, they're just a part of this group that believes in something what they think is higher than themselves I, or a way I to think live. Most people, especially the ones close to the echelon, think that their leader speaks to God or has some connection that's beyond human. Or realm, is just you know? a, hi- it's yeah. not, it's not a human. He's more than human. Or he's, he, they're he, human every time. He every or single she time is human. human, but just like above us in some way. A certain group of people i'm pissed that there's not enough like female cult leaders there should be there There should be be. except for that weirdo in tennessee the one with the crazy hair shambling you know what's always funny is like of the male cult leaders they always have some female general like lieutenant at their side who like moving and shaking like like that creepy dude that had um that whole town in texas no you're thinking of um oregon there's always a woman that's whooping ass on the sidelines of these cults, like going around and be like, you, you still believe, right? <laughs> you better believe. I know you live. It's you know? a really good metaphor for like society in general, yeah. where it's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll we'll like pretend that the man's in charge. The king. Yeah. The, the king is. But spoken. it's really all these women the behind got a knife in your back. Like you like the king, right? <laughs> <laughs> which is genius i mean like if to the average person if you're gonna go against somebody you're gonna go after the king right right but and it's so smart that you were actually calling all the shots from but this is very game of thrones and i like it, it. it's just so true like look at cults it's like there's always a, there's usually a strong woman involved too like that really helps a cult's progression and power is having a strong woman behind the scenes moving and shaking things hell yeah you know the the figure just the, the figurehead just has to sit there and look 
otherworldly more than human, you know? Yeah. You can't be a mover and shaker being a Buddha type character. Buddha needed his lieutenants being like, you believe in Buddha, right? <laughs> you like what Buddha <laughs> said, right? Was, do you think it was a woman? Have you heard about Buddha? <laughs> yeah, I bet it was a Mormon, man. You know what I mean? You got to have those people. You're not a true cult. Who wants to follow a weirdo without someone with a gun to your head telling you to follow a weirdo, you know? Yeah. Uh. Or, or telling you how great it's going to be to follow the weirdo. You know? uh, There's a reason you're following Or it's that. like, you know, you and I have always loved Steve Earle because dad loves Steve Earle. Yeah. I went to a Steve Earle concert and he was like, yeah, um, I got real political there for a while with my music and I was just so tired of not seeing women at my shows. So now <laughs> now I'm back to writing love songs. <laughs> Guitar town. No, no, no. He's like, so... Yeah, you know, it's funny because it's like you have to change the message, you know, if you yeah. want a certain person for I mean, sure. Imagine how wonderful if like if, if if like following Jesus, almost something like that, like a good cult leader, sign me up, man. Sure, boss me around. You yeah, know? but it always is like. But that's who they think they're signing up the, for. The cult leaders always do the same thing. How much money you got? Yeah. <laughs> oh, welcome to the cult. What's what's your bank account number? Yeah, or numbers? what are your talents that I can and exploit? How many, how many daughters you got? <laughs> welcome to the cult. You know, it's always the same thing. Why can't we have a good cult leader? Okay. Let's move into Railbird. Railbird. You, I think what's kind of funny is that you and I are sort of known for these Railbird reviews. We because we've been to all the Railbirds. We did the very first one. We did the disastrous second one, or as you know, the public thinks of it as disaster. I loved it. I loved the second Railbird. I had a good time too. And then they've just recently had their third to kind of redeem themselves. So you didn't actually go. You didn't really want to. I totally did, but but it's not your music. I mean, I'm okay with that kind of stuff. You are. Yes, Tower Childers for sure. But anyway, tell me your experience because it was at a whole new location. It was at Keeneland. Keeneland said, screw off. Okay. Red Miles says, all, come on over, go, Red. Let's go back because you you were singing a very different tune a few months ago whenever I was like, I'm going to Railbird. Do you want to go too? I would have totally gone. Well, I had I, I had something. I can't remember what it was, but it was something like I was forced to, to do. But yeah. that's, not, that's not here nor there, whatever. Well, I feel bad now. But the, the interesting part of Railbird was was Red Mile better than Keeneland. Yeah, the venue changed. That's all I care about. And they could not have done a better job. Did you stay in line for five hours for water? Never. I never stood in line once for a, to- a porta potty. Not once. Like you literally just walk up and you could pee. I like that. That is a luxury in and of oh itself. Oh my god, yes. God, there's nothing worse than being at a festival and you're in a line to go to the bath and you're about to piss yourself. Yeah, like thirty minutes, like I can pick a piss. Like, yes, I'm screwed. Yes. So they had. It's like all of the feedback and the grief that they got from that other railbird, their second one. They absolutely took to heart and every detail was ironed out and well done for sure. So. Never had to wait for a porta potty. Never had to, they had free water stations. Never ran out. I'm sure that was everybody's big question. They had walkable wise. Were the stages as far away as the Keeneland ones was? Or no, was not not quite as not quite as bad. You know what I'm saying? Like still ha- still far enough away to where like you felt like you were at different concerts. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You see all of them? No, I don't know. You can't see all of them. You saw Weezer though. I saw Weezer was my favorite. I love Weezer. So if we, if we want to start in with just like the music, I went in being like, oh my gosh, I'm gonna love this person, this person, this person. And really like Weezer was just like the standout. Like they are just seasoned musicians. I just love them so much. They know what we want to hear, <laughs> you know, they, their version of Say It Ain't So where they like let the audience really sing it. Uh-huh. They'd be like, dun, 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 dun. Now you sing. And then they would, yeah, no, they didn't say it quite I as know, lame know, as that. And then he'd like shove the mic at us and we'd be like, sing. <laughs> it was so Sweet good. nostalgia right in your face. It veins. was so good. And like the camaraderie at that show, like everybody was amped to see Weezer. Well, answer me this. How was Marcus Mumford? 
Mumford and Sons. Okay. Little I, Lion Man. I hate that you're asking me that second because I don't want to mention so early on maybe a negative thing. He was my least favorite. Really? Yeah. He and I think it's because he played maybe during like the hottest part of one of the days. Oh. But like it was a slow set. Like he came on right after I want to say Cheryl Crow. And Cheryl Crow is the, you, I mean, is the freaking godmother. It's Cheryl Crow, for God's sake. Yeah, but she played, I didn't realize how many hits she had. She had so many hits. Oh, she's the baddest of the 90s. And right? so we're all like up was from it, that. Was it good? Was Cheryl, was Cheryl Crow still good? Yeah, Cheryl Crow was amazing. I will say <laughs> the funniest part of it was uh, my friend Porter, who I call Porter Pie because he's my, he's my precious Porter Pie. He's a good man. He's a good man. We find some shit. It was a hot part of the day. So we find this like giant tent to stand underneath. And as we're underneath there, this older lady next to us is like drunk and <laughs> sick, like hot, looking real overheated. Uh-huh. And her friend is trying to like pour water down her. But this woman is like swaying and like all the signs of like alcohol poisoning slash heat exhaustion. So they run and go get the medics. The medics come over. The medics are just like basically talk. So I'm, I'm sitting like uh, two feet from this. So I'm fascinated. And I'm not (laughs) staring at, are you okay? Hey, is everything okay? (laughs) I'm doing, I'm doing absolutely nothing to help. What can I help with? (laughs) Nothing. I just sat there watching it like an idiot. I should have, but like, it was one of those situations where, like, there was already so many people involved. You can't look away from that. Of course not. Who, and, so you're a psycho if you look away. And, and I also didn't want to get in the way. Like, there's a time when, like, it's too... She already had a million people getting her water. She already had all... I didn't want to get in the EMT's way. That's what I'll say. Yeah. <laughs> but what's super funny is it was during Cheryl Crow. And so this woman is, like, they're having to work on her. For, if it makes you happy. Now, for heat exhaustion, <laughs> while Cheryl Crow is singing... I want to soak up the sun. <laughs> That's so bad. It's like, oh I want to soak up the sun. And everybody. <laughs> God, that poor woman. Man. Oh, it was so ironic. That's so bad. So bad. No. And, but what was really, it luckily it had a really happy ending. She like kind of comes to, I don't know if they gave her something or I was kind of like watching in and out, but they they're all like hugging like her and the emts and they're like holding on to each other like putting their arms around well, each other yeah. yeah it was just like it had a happy ending it was it was a really good symbol for railbird in general like it was a great crowd like everybody was so excited to be there it had you know it's usual great stuff it had great food it had a little shopping you know like great- it was like a railbird kim camaraderie right absolutely and as you had mentioned it was a red mile so yeah. it was a great venue because in the city, almost. in the city, Keatland's Ke- barely in the city. Yes, and yeah. so they had shuttles. At, luckily, you drove me and Porter to the place each time, oh, which what was a mistake. That was so nice of you. Why? <laughs> Just like a madhouse. It was, yeah. But you did a really, and we really appreciate. Hey, it. Hey, actually, I wanted to ask you about this about Railbird. Mm-hmm. As far as the casino, yeah. What kind of filter? Like you know, I've, I'm, I've had enough of music. Let's go to the casino. Was the casino slammed at some point? No. This is the best part. AC and stuff? Oh, like, my God, the casino yes. casino sounds pretty sweet. Yeah, it, well, it was. So r- right after 
I'm probably going to piss a lot of people off. Um, Zach Bryan was the headliner for Saturday. Yeah. And so I'm not the biggest. I mean, I, he's got a couple songs that are OK, but like he's not Light my favorite. Dog. Yeah, exactly. And I was kind of glad that he was playing last because I could miss a lot of his and either go to the casino or go meet up with you and beat the traffic or whatever. Uh-huh. Well, <laughs> is that well, is that is that cycling? Is that what happened? That was the original. I can't plan. remember which one we did of those two choices. <laughs> So I go to the casino and Porter and I do and the casino like Red Mile is like ready for us. They're like red carpet is rolled out because everybody. Red, red, red Mile is like, let's make some money. Absolutely. Welcome in. Are you drunk? Welcome yes. In. That's exactly. Welcome to Red Mile. Exactly how it was. So they shuffled us all in like cattle. But it was only like I'd say. I don't know, a hundred of us, maybe out of thousands and thousands of people. Huh. Most people were just leaving to like go home. But, tired, right? Yeah, yeah. But Porter and I were like, hell no, let's go check out Red Mile. So we go in and they immediately make us like take pictures because you have to have a card to like plug into the slots to be able to play. So they get us like free signed up for their silver member program or whatever. And I'm like, sure, sure, <laughs> whatever. So I get this card. We go in. It's like a typical casino. I had never been before. But let me tell you the best part of it huh. is that... two amazing bands that played Railbird, at least one of them played Railbird the very first year of Railbird, are playing in Red Mile. Oh, shit. DOG and The Minks. And if you know DOG or you know The Minks, they're two phenomenal bands. They're playing in the middle of a casino. the the party continued into into the casino. Yes. It was like the coolest after party that could have ever existed. Railbird was in the casino. Exactly. That's so cool. And nobody went as as much as you think that they would have. So it was like this really fun, intimate thing. Like there were a bunch of like locals around, you know, that were just there for. They gambled. It was any other Saturday. Lexington's yeah. degenerate gamblers <laughs> no, no, no. were alive and well. <laughs> and then there was a bunch of like railbird trash like me that they, was they like pissed you there. Like it's loud as shit in here. Yeah, you know? like, problem. But it's such good music. Like Dog played first, and I love them. And then the Minks played, and that's why you were like, "Come out here, I'm waiting. I'm three streets down." And I was like, "But the." Minks are playing. Oh my god! Yeah, it was more like, but the, but the, but the minks are playing. So <laughs> where am I again? It was you, great. You, you you did the full experience, man. Because I think that's one of the coolest things you can do. Like the after party at the casino surely is an incredible time. It was. Yeah. No. How many shows do you see? You know, at a casino of bluegrass music. Yeah. Well, they're not bluegrass though. I mean, or these just, were like know, rock. Yeah, alternative railbird type of music. Right, right. But you know? that's the nice thing about railbird. Music. Railbird has a pretty eclectic use of of bands and stuff. This was not all. Railbird is not all bluegrass. It's not all Americana. It's not all country. It's ninety percent one of those three categories, which I'm cool with. I love no, all three uh, of those categories. Goose played. They're a really fantastic jam band. So don't even. Oh, well, you know what I'm saying? There's you don't have Slayer here, kind of thing. Like it's not that kind of music. It's. Well, I wouldn't go if they had Slayer. <laughs> or, you, you know what I mean? It's, it's a, it's a. I want to tell you my top things that I think. Country bluegrass thing. I think that you and or our listeners see here are the highlights to me, and I won't go into much to each of them. Yeah. But these are my faves. So Weezer, obviously, Charlie Crockett was phenomenal, and if you don't know who that is, he's got kind of like a. I mean, he's listened to a lot of Johnny Cash, kind of wants to be Johnny Cash, but in like a new age country kind of way. I'm fine with that. Yeah, absolutely. No, and he does a great job at it. The Heavy Heavy were fantastic. The Heavy Heavy remind me of a like 60s psychedelic. Like, uh, they're fantastic. I love, I listen to them a lot in the mornings when I'm getting ready. Oh, I, snap. Nickel Creek. 
Yeah, Nickel Creek. Well, that, was, that was the next one on my list. Can he, can he still play that? Yeah, mandolin? hell yeah. And they had gotten together for the first time in like 16 years or something. It was Isn't like their, their inaugural, uh, we're back on the circuit kind of thing. So it's, Nickel it's Creek. It's just that dude. I can't remember his name. Like the singer, mandolin player. Tangent. That guy from Nickel Creek, he played, it's amazing. Edgar Meyer, one of the premier bassists of all time. He plays in the upright bass. He, he got this foundation, like genius foundation grant, formed it. He could have done all sorts of stuff, but he said, I'm going to make some amazing music. He formed the Goat Rodeo Sessions, which was... Oh, yeah, yeah, no, I've heard of this. Yeah, it was Yo-Yo Ma, him, uh, Yo-Yo Ma, amazing cello player, him, an amazing bass player. I can't remember the violinist player, but like, think of the best violinist player around, and then the dude from Nickel Creek. That's cool. The dude from Nickel Creek playing mandolin, and they they made an album like that, and it's it's incredible. You never heard anything like it. It's 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 Celtic, then it's then it's Japanese a little bit, then it's um, oh, they're all pulling from their backgrounds. It's like this crazy mesh of it's this crazy mesh of things. That's awesome. Um, I didn't realize that the Nickel Creek guy was in the Goat Rodeo sessions. Like he's the best mandolin player in the world. Amazing. Uh, The head and the heart was excellent. So was Nathaniel Rateliff. Goose, the jam band that you really like. Ricky Skaggs, who's like kind of known as like the father of bluegrass. You know, he's a Kentucky native. That's wild. He, he was, was fantastic. Was he good? Yeah, he was great. Oh, God, yeah. Yeah, he was great. Cheryl Crow was too. As usual, everything on the Burl stage, which is the smaller stage, these are more like up and coming, like more a little bit more underground acts, blew my mind. I need to just remind myself that like I just need to stay, stick by the Burl stage at every railbird because like that's where i first saw billy strings and it's where i saw lots of really cool stuff that like now is totally a part of you know my the my very, library the, the very next year billy strings is on the big stage oh exactly yeah no i know i mean it <laughs> I only that. takes it's almost like you play the burl stage the smaller of the stages and it's like you're destined for stardom i feel yeah, like uh-huh. it was like billy strings had like 400 people and then the next year he had like thirty thousand people <laughs> The biggest disappointment, like I said, was Marcus Mumford. It was just How a can that be, it man? was just a slow set. I mean, there's no doubt he's talented. And keep in mind, I love Mumford and Sons. I love that band. When they came out with you know, Little Line Man, all those things back in the day, like that was one of my favorite bands ever. So I was so amped to see him. And then it's just like he's it's just so slow and like I don't know. It was like, it's a festival crowd. Like just play something a little. And it was like, he'd play a slow and then he'd play a slow one and then he'd play a slow one and then he'd play a slow one. Like there was no peaks and valleys. That's my biggest criticism on that one. Talented musician. I think it's a pretty fair criticism. Yeah. Disappointing yeah. set for sure. Yeah. And then of course, Tyler Childers who ended the entire. Yeah. <laughs> okay. You are going to get so mad about this. And it made me so happy in my heart that you would be so mad. What? He was. So the very first time he played Railbird, remember the mayor came up and gave him a key to the city of Lexington. Right. Uh-huh. So now he's playing again and some representative from the mayor comes up before he even plays the first chord. Kissed his dick. <laughs> <laughs> Almost. Uh, it was June 3rd that day. She declares June God. 3rd National Tyler oh Childers Day. <laughs> National Tyler Childers Day. Sweet Lord. Sweet Which Lord. I now plan to celebrate oh my God. and I will not work on that day because it is now a national holiday to me. And I plan to get like a little Christmas tree and like get ornaments that have to do with like Tyler Childers songs. And you're going to come over and we're all going to eat like Eastern Kentucky fare. I'll wear a flannel shirt. I got you. Perfect. Perfect. He is making a lot of How interesting splashes in the world and the musical kind of yeah he got in trouble lately he has a new song called in your love which depicts two gay coal miners 
and you know they're in love and they're kind of dealing with like and then in the end they deal with like black lung or whatever and it's a beautiful song and it was partly co-authored or written with silas house who was the poet laureate for kentucky who was also gay and the whole country community the part that went up in arms over it and it was bold and i congratulate him for that i think that He's he is the one of the first people to take country music and be like, uh uh-uh, uh, we're not all a bunch of close minded homophobes. You know, I've always heard is like that's outlaw country. Waylon Jennings wasn't singing about trucks and sh- shit like that, sh- shit like that. You know, he was singing about I don't like the government. I don't like the current trend of things. And that's what Childress did with that song. Yeah, for sure. He was like, This isn't your typical country. It's out you know, it's yeah, I'm, Al- I'm saying something controversial, which is what Outlaw Country was completely all based upon. I like sticking that. it to the man. I never. We don't think about tri- like barbecues and pickup trucks. Never thought of true it that country way. is like something's wrong. It's like the blues. Yeah, something's wrong. Like, it's like, don't you see this is wrong too? Mm-hmm. Outlaw Country is rad. Yeah, it's the same way old blues is rad. Yeah. And then new country is like boring and so, so barbecue awful. related and pickup and gun related. It's, just it's like not even that. It's like it's just sappy love songs. It's just not. Oh, God. it's not good musically. Give you the sappy love songs of new country. It's I just, just want to so, puke. It's so poppy and not in. I love pop, but it's like poppy in all the wrong ways. I love country. Yeah, I really do. It's just not this. Uh, it's. I don't know. Give Tyler to us a break is the point of this. <laughs> like he's, oh, God, yeah. Tyler Childers. He's an artist, man. Come Tyler on. Childers is the love of my life. I will celebrate every June 3rd as Tyler Childers Day. He can do no wrong. I've loved him since the second he put out Purgatory, which is one of the greatest albums, country albums known to man. It is a no-skip album. And everything he touches is just gold. I could listen to his voice forever. And on top of that, he's a poet with his lyrics. And on top of that, believes in the same things that I believe in. Like I will follow him. Like he could be my cult leader to bring everything full circle. There with, you go. With there you our- go. It all comes to <laughs> light now. Here we go. He's my Visago. <laughs> Jesus God. Okay, I have one more thing to ask you. Okay. Food at Real Bird. Oh. Was it artisanal eighteen thousand yeah. dollar dishes? Yes. So you can't go to a festival and not buy like a twenty dollar artisanal corn dog, and that's exactly what I did. Was it twenty dollars? No, it was like. Fourteen, sixteen, zero line. Like I maybe waited five minutes behind some people, which means a lot to me. And of course, I want it to be like weird, like the weirder. Yeah, uh-huh. Like I want tater tots that's covered in like sushi or what you know, like just God random. What, yeah, yeah, and like nacho cheese. Like Mama's I want famous chili. Blah, I want blah, blah, blah. you putting random flavors together that taste good to me after I've been drinking in the hot sun. It's real bird, damn it. It's exactly, and they they did great. It was awesome. Cool. Yeah, cool. They did great. It was. It was that's a, never been subpar. I've loved. No, eating. not at all. My wallet's super bummed afterwards. Yeah. But. Oh, yeah. I think that I have just decided that I'm not a can go hard two days kind of girl. I have to just pick one day of Railbird. I've decided that this year. And I don't know if it's because I'm getting up here in my late 30s. But like it was just I would rather go hard one day and hit up uh, Red Mile and like really do the after party and make that a whole thing and then just rest the next day, unfortunately. Why, why can't they put it early October? We, but here's the thing. We said this last please, time. They were ha- they had it late August and we were like, scooch it up, damn it. And they did. They made it early June. But here's the problem. Like they picked the hottest conceivable but time of it, year. No, it, early June is not. Early June is actually pretty lovely. It was a just a weird record high heat that weekend. Huh. So we just, it was like bad luck, basically. But anyway, A plus real bird. I mean, I I loved you all three years. I look forward to going every single year. Yeah, it was great. And you're coming with me next year, no matter what. We're real bird partners. You're a true connoisseur, man. 
Yeah. All right. Love you, brother. Love you too, idiot. Bye. Love you so much. The Lexington Podcast is written, edited, and produced by Erica Fries and Jonathan O'Hare in association with Freeze Media. If you'd like to get a hold of us, feel free to DM us on Instagram. We are Lexington Podcast on Instagram, or feel free to email us at lexingtonpodcast at gmail.com. Thanks to our sources this week, including Weird Kentucky by Jeffrey Scott Holland, which is a fantastic book if you don't already have that. Next week, in honor of Black History Month, we release an episode we actually recorded a couple years back where we interview Russell Allen and DeBron Thomas, organizers of the Take Back Cheapside movement, about their activism in removing the Confederate statues of John Hunt Morgan and John C. Breckenridge from the front lawn of Lexington's old courthouse. See you then.